So Larkin, wherever you are, you have to grab one of every CD for me. <laughs> thank you so much, Annie. That was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. And Connie, thank you for the work you do to bring such lovely, amazing people here. Thank you for that. So we started by saying Advent is a time when we joyfully wait for something to be born that is going to change our life. That's a powerful statement. That statement of being in joyful waiting. It's not what we generally do. We generally don't like waiting very much, much less joyfully waiting. But joy is our subject for this month. And when we think about joyfully waiting, we have to first start with the word joy and ask ourselves, do we even know what that is? How do we joyfully wait for something if we don't even know if we're experiencing joy in our lives? That's our study topic for this month. And as we go through the month, it may feel a little bit to you like it feels when you throw the thousand pieces of a puzzle on a table. When you put all those pieces out, what's the first thing you have to do? Make the border, right? Like you got to get the outside framework put in place. Otherwise, nothing comes together like it's supposed to, especially if you don't have the picture. If you don't have the picture, it's all you can do is work with the edges. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the edges of joy because we're not certain we have the picture in the middle. Today, we're going to work on the edges. And as we go through the month of December, we're going to move to the center. And my hope is that at the end of the month, you will walk away with a brand new picture of what joy is, and it'll be very accessible to you. So we're going to start with a statement that you're going to hear me say every week. And the statement is this, the difference between happiness and joy is divine presence. Say it back to me. The difference between happiness and joy is divine presence. So happiness is an interesting thing. Most of us can access happiness. Do you know, science says that if we stand up straight and we put a smile on our face, that if we just do those two things, that we get a rush of hormones that make us feel happy. It's pretty easy. We have control of that, don't we? Stand up straight, sit straight in your chair, put a smile on your face. Magical things happen. You feel better. And if you're smiling, the people who are around you, they smile back at you. It's just our natural response to one another. So happiness is something we can attain on our own. We have tools for creating happiness. Most of us think about what makes me happy. Like maybe playing guitar makes you happy, or maybe eating well makes you happy, or maybe for me it's getting back in my kayak every year makes me very happy. I love that experience. I am in control of it. Joy is something different. Joy is not available because we changed our posture. Joy is not something we create by putting a smile on our face. 
Joy is a deeply authentic experience that happens in the moment. It happens to us. Happiness is something we can bring forward. Joy happens to us. It is not in our control. How do you feel about things that are not in your control? Ooh. Let's watch this video and take a look at that. Number four on living a wholehearted life and being a wholehearted person is my favorite. I mean, I think the way to course correct everything, that's why you and I are soulmates. Yes. <laughs> that's why we are, because you understand that the cultivation of gratitude and joy is the way home. Whoa. Whoa. And people have to know that it is something, and you say this, it's something you say this in here, and you say it in the gifts of perfection, that people, you have to work at it. Yeah, I was so off base about this before I did this. I had, you know, oh my God, this is so huge. Like I made a commitment like mm -hmm. to everybody I knew. I said, I will never talk about joy for the rest of my career without talking about gratitude. Because for 12 years of research, yes. I have never interviewed a single person who talks about the capacity to really experience and soften into joy who does not actively practice gratitude. You are absolutely right about Period. that. Period. See, I have done no research except with my audience for 25 yeah, years. Yeah, except for the that, 30 years of yeah, the research yeah, except you've for done. That. Yeah, except for yeah, that little. Yeah, but I've done yeah. no, obviously, a critical research, but I know that is true. As you say that, it just, a part of me, it just resonates. And I know that is true. There is no joy without gratitude. No, and he, you know what's tricky? What? As someone who studies shame and scarcity and fear, mm -hmm. I will tell you that if you ask me what's the most terrifying, difficult emotion that we experience as humans, yes. Yes. I would say joy. You would say that the most terrifying is joy? No question. Why? You know, I, I often ask parents, I say, uh, you know, I'll have 5,000 parents or something in the audience and I'll say, raise your hand if you've ever stood over your child while he or she was sleeping and thought to yourself, I love you like I didn't know was possible. Yeah. yeah. And then in that split second, Picture something horrific happening well, to you. What if something happened to you? Yes, yeah. How many of you have ever set up and said, wow, work's going good, good relationship with my partner? Yeah. Parents seem to be doing okay? Uh huh. Holy crap. Something bad's going to happen. Yes. Right. So, what is that? You know what that is? What is that? When we lose our tolerance for vulnerability, lose our tolerance for vulnerability, yeah. Joy becomes foreboding. I'm not going to feel you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to soften into this moment of joy because, because I'm scared. I'm scared it's going to be taken away. The other shoe's going to drop. So say that again. When we lose our tolerance for vulnerability, you said in the book, but I didn't get it this deep. Go ahead. When we lose our tolerance yeah. to be vulnerable, yes. joy becomes foreboding. And so what we do in moments of joyfulness is we try to beat vulnerability to the punch. Yesterday, I'm on the plane. I'm yeah. getting ready to leave. I'm taking pictures and tweeting them out of all the cockpit, Super Soul Sunday, or over <laughs> a bus, maybe. I'm taking pictures. The plane gets down the runway and has to come back because something's wrong. I was like, I knew it. I called Steve. I said, let me just tell you something. I know because I'm fixing to meet Oprah that I'm going to die. <laughs> and at my funeral, yeah. you better say she was going to be on Super Soul Sunday. Oh, my goodness. And she's like, foreboding joy, foreboding joy. Foreboding joy. Right. 
I interviewed a man who told me my whole life, I never got too excited, too joyful about anything. I just kind of stayed right in the middle. That way, if things didn't work out, I wasn't devastated. And if they did work out, it was a pleasant surprise. Oh my goodness. He's, and so many people said, he said, in his 60s, he was in a car accident. His wife of 40 years was killed. Uh-huh. Wow. And he said, the second I realized that she was gone, the first thing I thought was, I should have leaned harder into those moments of joy. Because mm. that did not protect me from what I feel right now. We're trying to, we're trying to dress, rehearse tragedy so we yes. can beat vulnerability to the punch. Yes, 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 yes. So you, want, so you know what happens? This is what the joyful people do. This is what I learned from them. In those moments where like, they're getting ready to come here or something, they're looking at their children or their partner or something great, they get that shudder too. But you know what they do? They don't say, oh, there's that shudder of terror about feeling joyful. I'm going to dress, rehearse tragedy. They say, I'm going to practice gratitude. So I just sat on that plane on the runway for 20 minutes going, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And I think I was like BSing a little bit. I was faking. I am grateful. But gratitude is a practice. It is tangible. You can see it. Yeah. It's not an attitude of gratitude. Absolutely. It is a practice. And what I found is that when you actively practice gratitude, where you concentrate on not just thinking about it, but write things down, you go through the day looking for it. You There's go no through the, You go through the day looking for it. Isn't it amazing? It's like magic. It is. And you know what? I think we appreciate the little things. Yes. I think one of the things that happens in a culture of scarcity is we're all chasing the extraordinary and we forget. Like when I interviewed people who went through horrific things, I mean, I'm talking about the loss of children, genocide, violence, trauma. And I talked to them about what's the hardest loss. They never talked about the extraordinary things. They said, I miss the ordinary moments. I miss hearing the screen door slam and knowing my husband's home from work. Mm -hmm. I miss hearing my kids fighting in the backyard. I miss the way that my wife set the table. And those are the moments that are in front of all of us every day that we could stop and say, God, I'm grateful for this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'll just say right now, I'm so grateful for this. Oh, me too. No, I am. I'm me so too. grateful for it. There's a lot in there, isn't there? Like big aha moments. I will post that video on our Facebook page because if you're like me, you'll want to watch it a couple of times. There are some really big things to think about when it comes to joy. And one of those is, why does joy matter? Joy matters because suffering is a thing. Joy matters because suffering is a thing. It's a real thing. In our positive-based, think the right things, create the life you want theology, that is what unity is, we have to remember that suffering is a thing. It's real. We can't pretend our way out of it. I'm not talking about unhappiness. So unhappiness is, it's cold outside, I got to be to church at 730 and I got to go scrape the ice off my windshield. This is hard. Like, I don't want to, it's cold outside. I am uncomfortable about that idea. I don't like it. It makes me unhappy. I am unhappy. You know, I have a 16-year-old teenage son whom I adore. And sometimes he makes me unhappy. I bet you guys can't imagine that. <laughs> it, you know, it, when you're unhappy... You can think your way past that. 
okay, yeah, but, oh my God, what an amazing thing it is to be a mother to that particular child. He's incredible. I can think my way past any irritation with him. I can think my way past chipping the ice off my windshield. That's my dad's truck. Makes me happy to get in it every day. I can think my way through. I'm talking about suffering. And suffering is what happens when we lose someone we love. Suffering is what happens when we think about, when we really let ourselves think about the fires in California and what that means to people to have lost their home and members of their community and a place that they loved so much loss in one place. Suffering happens when we feel there is, we are powerless over something. Suffering is a powerless feeling. Joy comes over us without control. Do you see the, the connection there? We are afraid of what we are not in charge of. We are afraid when the pendulum swings all the way this way to joy, that it's going to swing all the way to the other side to suffering. And it will. Because that is life and it's a thing that's true about life. In order to live, we must be prepared for both extremes of our emotions to have complete and utter uncontrollable joy and to have the growing and learning and heart-wrenching experience of suffering. That is what it is to be alive. The thing is, we are so afraid of the suffering that we stop ourselves from having the joy thinking that somehow this control is going to control this. And it doesn't. The only thing that happens from that is we get to the end of our life wishing that we had allowed ourselves to fully express and experience joy. And joy is an interesting experience. You know when you encounter joy. I have this friend. Her name is Patty. She lives in Indiana now, but she used to live here. And we were shopping one day in one of the little metaphysical stores here in town, and she came upon a little pair of crystal earrings. And she loved them. And she oohed and awed and carried on. And I was standing next to her hearing how, oh, she talked herself through all the reasons why they were beautiful and perfect. They went perfectly with this necklace she had, blah, 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 blah. And then she put them back down because they're more expensive and I don't really want to spend that money and I've got a thousand other things I could do with my money. And so being the good little elf that I was, I went back. And I picked them up for her, and I wrapped them up, and when I gifted them to her, she did not expect it. And she was overwhelmed with joy, and she started to jump up and down. <laughs> and then she turned in a big circle, and she was so excited, she could hardly handle it. And it made me so happy, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. It was a very joyful moment. It wasn't necessarily a very grown-up controlled moment. <laughs> And this is what we're afraid of, isn't it? Like if we act joyfully, we lose our decorum a little bit. Our body gets into it. Our eyes leak when we have joy. We laugh from here when we have joy. We get stopped in our footsteps when we encounter something 
that makes us joyful, it might make us breathless. It might literally take our breath from us. That's how powerful joy is. And it sneaks up, doesn't it? It comes unexpectedly. You can't plan it. So as we move into this exploration of what joy is, I ask you to simply give permission. To give permission that you don't always have to behave in a perfectly adult and sensible way. That you might laugh more deeply. That those little tears that creep from the corners of your eyes are a blessing. That your body might just jump up and down a little bit and it'll be fine. We, we're afraid of what the rest of the world will say when we step into a joyful place. Will they think we're not practical? Will, will they think we're crazy? Will they think we've lost our mind? Will they say that's not a very grown-up way to behave? Well, let's let our grown-up sensibilities go a little bit. There is a perfect time and place for grown-up sensibilities. Joy is not the moment. Joy is a time to be in the authentic feeling that you're having. And that feeling most often is seated in gratitude. I am so grateful for this gift. I am so grateful for this child. I am so grateful for that rainbow in this moment, that sunrise at this place, that I was here when this happened. I am so grateful for this. That's where we start. So I want to invite you in this month of joy into the softening that is required, into the softening of your judgment, into the softening of your heart, into the softening of your body, that joy might show up in your life more often. I have some quotes for you. Joseph Campbell said, we cannot cure the world of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. Percy Shelley said, the, soul, the soul's joy lies in doing. We're going to talk some about that over the next few weeks. Tim Cook said, let your joy be in your journey, not in some distant goal. And Mark Twain said this, Grief can take care of itself, but to get the full value of a joy, you must have somebody to divide it with. Those are also teachings of Desmond Tutu, and we'll be learning more about those teachings next week, about the nine pillars that he presents to opening deeper to joy. And this final statement is by Helen Keller. Joy is the holy fire that keeps our purpose warm and our intelligence aglow. I'm going to take just a second.